Welcome to Binge Buddies, new season, no wrong time to rock. With me, your host is always Brian Dressel. With me, as always, is Matt, Zombie Dog, Enchantress, Dykes. Ooh. Do I have to do that weird dancing that she does? I mean, when I see the Enchantress do that weird dance, I immediately think of you, so yes. Uh... Okay, cool. I'm doing it now. Can you see? Can you I, I see can through this audio-only medium? Yep. And it looks great. Uh... We have it's Joel Plastic Man DeWitt. Plastic, you, you know, I, uh, I don't, Enchantress. These aren't actually in Suicide Squad, Squad, right? There's like so many people in this movie that I, I, you should tell me she is, and I'd believe. So you. Enchantress is in the first Suicide Squad film, which the the god awful one. Yeah. Uh huh. That's okay. what the dance thing was about. That was uh, mentioned. And, and Plastic Man is. Uh, Plastic Man is from Flash. Uh. Don't worry, I'm just going to be, the entire, I'll tell you the theme in a moment, because we still have to introduce our new co-host, Mr. Alex Nebula Man Arona. Hey, what's going on, guys? And uh, let's not talk about Plastic Man, he is problematic. Well, the actor is, the character's still fine. (laughs) Yeah, the Uh, character's fine. (laughs) uh, So the theme for this show will be obscure DC characters. Some of these will be a little less obscure because they've been shoved into movies for some strange reason um but that's kind of the theme and plastic man isn't really that obscure i'm trying to start things off uh, he's he's stretch armstrong that's what he is got it he's a yeah um (laughs) sadly there's been two of those kinds of guys and wait 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 wait, wait. plastic man and were you thinking elongated man because i'm saying he is a problematic actor plastic man has not been cast Okay, Plastic there we go. Plastic yeah. Man's the good one. He's the one that I, I love. He's a—he's uh, actually one of my favorite characters. That's why I'm surprised I got myself confused for a moment there. Okay, okay, there we go. Okay, so yeah, it's Elongated Man. Yeah, Elongated Man has has that douchebag actor attached. Plastic Man, uh, I don't even know who could play him, but he's really cool. You should look into him. Um, you should look at all these characters I'm bringing you up, because I'm bringing only characters that I enjoy that I don't see represented uh in ways that i would enjoy does that make sense even Kite if it doesn't man. i'm gonna keep doing it so hi and welcome to the new show uh <laughs> i mean i'm just like now googling who played elongated man because i want to find out why why he's uh problematic there's another one of those like he made asshole jokes on twitter and didn't really know how to back down from them one of those like he victim of uh things i don't like naming because the right has gone and ruined them um cancel uh, culture Oh, how dare you! Uh, <laughs> how dare you! Up, how a, dare you fire me for for saying racist? Oh, things. I'm so triggered. You said the phrase. Uh, <laughs> I'm just looking up uh, uh, weird DC characters. I'm looking up Kite Man. Um, oh, Kite Man just got his own show, and I am oh, so excited for it. He's playing a bartender. It's a spinoff of the Harley Quinn show. I can't explain how happy I am for Kite Man to get his own oh, show. Oh my god, Kite Man and Harley Quinn was awesome. So amazingly good. But anyhow. The new show, if you are listening to the end of the last show, will be on Peacemaker. But much like when we did uh, What We Do in the Shadows, there was a movie that came out that I feel you kind of need to watch before diving into the show. And I think it's actually more crucial to Peacemaker than it was to What We Do in the Shadows. Well, Peacemaker literally starts with previously on the Suicide Squad. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, uh, that's a big tip off. <laughs> But because of that, we are going to review at least a little bit of the Suicide Squad today. That We're going to try to stick as much to Peacemaker as we can. But since Peacemaker is just another character in this movie, he's far and away not the main character. Like, he's not even in the last act. Uh, we're going to kind of just review the movie as it is. Because it does kind of set the tone for, like, the brand of comedy moving forward throughout the rest of this, episode, throughout the rest of this show. Even if 
they are vastly different in like execution. I don't want to say tone because tone's actually pretty close, but they're very, very different, especially when you watch them back to back like I did. And I think Joel did too. I watched the movie. Mm -hmm. The movie ended, I put on the first episode. I'm like, these are shockingly similar, but also extremely different. Well, I'm, I got, I watched the, uh, the suicide squad with my, my girlfriend and basically I said, should we watch Peacemaker as well? I was like, yeah, okay. Um, she really enjoyed the film. She's like, okay, we'll give Peacemaker a go. We watched like three episodes in one night because it it sort of carried on really well, but also tonally, it's just very, very close, I think. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it's a great follow on What about you, Joel? Did You rolled right into it, right? I did. I did. I, I can sort of see what you mean in terms of tone. It has that sort of wacky, I don't know if reverence, right? The humor. Um Peacemaker is very much the same character <laughs> in that yeah. way. It's just, I think the focus is what's mainly different. You know, you've got the support group that gets a lot more front and center and you get to know them a little better where they were really just sort of side characters meant to, you know, be, I guess, sort of like the NASA equivalent of like uh, drown control. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I yeah. can see that. Yeah. That makes sense. And it's funny, watching the Suicide Squad, I'm like, oh, look, James Gunn found a way to put his girlfriend in this show. And then watching the Peacemaker, I'm like, oh, his girlfriend's actually a good actor. <laughs> and I think which wife one, Which one is his girlfriend? Yeah, I think, I'm going to say, I think, I think she's wife. Harcourt. Yeah. Oh, okay, 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 yeah. I think they're married now, or they might just be engaged, because I follow both of them on Instagram. They're, they're, get, get this, they're pretty funny. Uh <laughs> Really? No, I know that's a shocker. I know I, I don't mm. mean to catch everyone off guard, but no, they're they're pretty funny. Um, but I think we should get started. You guys ready to dive in? I am yeah. ready. All right, so we're gonna treat this kind of like we do the episodes where we kind of just move through the movie. I'm gonna try to go through my notes as much as I can. I've seen this movie, whew, I think nine times now, which is a little bit. If I didn't have a kid, that number would be much higher. But I still think for having a kid and this movie not even being out for a full year, it's still a pretty high number. Um, and yeah, my I'm notes right still there with you. Yeah, I think yeah. I've seen it four times. Okay, so or except for Joel, we're all pretty familiar with it. I, I say that because I've seen this movie so many times, and my notes still have huge gaps where I just get sucked in the movie and I stop taking notes. Yeah, there was a Which few times uh, where I had to like you know focus on taking notes and be like, no, 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 no just just write that down because there's a, there is there's a few large gaps as well where i was just watching the film yeah i this has a that ability to just get me completely sucked in which is uh i think one of the biggest compliments i can give a movie especially a comic book movie anymore um Mm. i will i will say that like the reason why i like this this iteration is that it does a really good job of like the one of the things that the first movie kind of put out there was the fact that these people can die uh and these characters can just be kind of killed off at the at, at a moment's notice so you really shouldn't get too attached and then this one just kind of from the jump really like introduces a whole set of characters uh and then kind of just re- like instantly kills them off are you saying that fun- you should be detachable from the characters <laughs> <laughs> fantastic i remember when that first uh that first poster came out and had all the actors on there and like just the tagline don't get attached. I'm like, oh, mm. <laughs> they are going to murder everyone. And then they really do. I mean, yeah, we don't even make it to the beach before the first character dies. 
Yeah. Although he actually, we find out he doesn't die. But uh, <laughs> that was so fucking funny, though. Oh my god! Like I watched this thing when it hit HBO Max at midnight, and it starts with like a very James Gunn open, which I appreciate. You know, he kills a bird. James Gunn hates birds. We all know this. Um, that was that was mean. It was, wasn't yeah. it? And then it's not done. This is going to kill a whole flock of birds later in the movie. Like, right. Right. James Gunn hates birds. <laughs> But anyhow, so like it's getting going, like it feels very James Gunn. This is the Suicide Squad. Oh, look, Rick Flag's back. We got Harley Quinn. We got Boomerang. And it's like, okay, I- I've watched the trailer enough. Like, I'm guessing, like, I've seen the two separate, like, team up walking shots. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking all these guys are probably going to die. But yeah, I'm in for it. Let's see how it goes. Because Harley Quinn is here, and I know Rick Flag is here. So some of them might make it out. We'll see. And as I'm watching it and just. Badass intro, badass intro, badass intro, and then ah, splash. <laughs> it just does it so well. <laughs> the the thing that tops that off for me though is the look on Rick Flag's face when he's like, "Did anyone check if the weasel could swim?" And then it cuts. <laughs> it cuts to Amanda Waller slowly looking. <laughs> that poor John Economos, like. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Oh. Like, I know Economos thinks that he has to do the Peacemaker mission because the whole coup at the end of this movie. I still think it's because of Weasel. Yeah. <laughs> like, Wait, he's like was... the Jar Jar Binks. He technically started everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. But man, like, <laughs> such a good way to, to like really get this, this ball rolling. Because then it's not done after that. The entire beach sequence, which I, I, I didn't look up how long it took to film, but I'm guessing it took ages. Like, that is a full-blown, like, war sequence. It's, it's, it's mini, just so awesome. It's mini Normandy. And, like, that. that's yeah. really all. Yeah. <laughs> and on the, the 4K Blu-ray, cause it's got, like, an Atmos soundtrack, and I've got a sound bar uh, that's got, like, a... It does the surround sound thing. I won't go into... It, basically, it's got Atmos surround sound. And, my God, that sequence sounds incredible. Like, the sound moves literally moves through the speakers and it you it, you do feel like you are there because of the way that the the sound design is it is so well shot and it's so well you know cut in terms of like the audio mixing as well it's fucking phenomenal but just from the moment like mongol jumps on the uh the helicopter like I, i've i've played this in a few theaters because I, I i can't really say what my job is but i i work in movie theaters and I use that sequence to test Atmos because when you hear that flying around, it's insane. Yeah, like it, it, the amount of immersion in it, and like it's just so incredibly violent. But like it, it just sucks you into the movie immediately, and that's with like all of it like together. Like my wife hates Pete Davidson. He he just drives her up the fucking wall. Like it's not one of those like I think he's a bad guy. Well, like she's not like on like that internet tirade. It's just like no, I don't like his brand of humor, and he annoys me. So, like, when I told her he was in this movie, she's like, I don't want to, like, it's James Gunn, it's DC, I want to see it, but I don't want to watch a Pete Davidson movie. (laughs) So when I watch it at midnight, I'm like, you're going to be fine. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, you'll enjoy it a lot, actually. (laughs) So maybe I didn't understand it right. Was that that whole sequence, he turned on the Suicide Squad? Is that what happened? He liked... Right, so I think he was told by Waller to turn on them because the whole point of it is that 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 team is essentially a distraction so the other real team can get in but i don't think he's smart enough to know that it is that that 
it is a distraction. I think he was told by her to t- to turn on them. Yeah. Period. And he was dumb I, I don't to think, go along with it. Personally, I don't think Waller told him to because I don't like Waller wouldn't show her cards that much because he's a betrayer. Like that's his thing. He will betray you. If he if she told him to do this, he'd out her. Oh, I yeah, think she just put him on the team because she knew he'd do this. <laughs> I didn't realize yeah. that it was that his thing was to just betray people. So that's I'm, I'm not, my, that's not Blackguard. Like none of these characters are super comic book accurate beyond a few. Um, but that's mm. my take on Blackguard because the way that I know Amanda Waller very well because I've read countless comics with her and I've seen the movies. I love Amanda Waller, one of my favorite characters of all time. Um, but she's usually the smartest person in every room. So that's where I wouldn't think – I think it would be a bad move for her to be like, hey, betray the team. But it mm. would be very Amanda Waller. Like, put him on the team. He's a liability. Yeah, find someone who would just betray them. Yep. Yeah. And Blackguard seemed to be – I'm not even going to call him Blackguard. Pete Davidson seemed like the right guy for that job. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that intro too. Like, it's just like as soon as he stands up, it's like, oh, here we go. Like, yeah, this, this is over, and he's just ruining it. Like you know, he's fucked. It's like, hey, I called you, I called you, and then all of a sudden, that bullet comes in, just literally, just his face just goes. Poof. Oh, that that is probably one of the most gruesome things that happened. It's right off the bat. It's just it's smushed in with an indentation, <laughs> yeah. and it's close up, and it, like, it rivals the phantasm drill. <laughs> it's terrible. It <laughs> it's, it's a good transition out of phantasm. <laughs> well, that's the thing as well. It's it's kind of like. Because the the first Suicide Squad film was very PG thirteen, it's very bloodless kind of thing, and very like, safe. Yeah, yeah, and and now I think like DC is trying to like it's getting a bit of balls to sort of like no, we're going to do some uh, like hard R rated uh, films and stuff like that. We're, we're going to push the envelope of what a comic book film is a bit more, and like that sort of like just just the amount of blood and gore that's in that first opening sequence is just like it's basically saying yeah you thought this was that suicide squad no this is this suicide squad oh yeah and then the it's only the problem... suicide squad it's the, the suicide, suicide squad there you go <laughs> the only problem i have with it and it's probably because i i don't hate the first movie as much as i think i'm supposed to i don't like it it's not a very good movie but it, it's also not my least favorite um, it's just messy, I think. That's the problem. Yeah, oh, it's, it's a total... total I've yes. watched it like six times. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. it's not I, great. I've watched it that many times, but I watched it because we recorded a podcast on it however many years ago that was. Oh, yeah. That was like the first uh, ATH episode you were on? One of them? No, it was no, the first it wasn't one. The first. That, it was the first one that I was on that we were recording remotely, I think. That sounds right. Anyhow. um, Go listen to it. It was good. It, it was it was a very fun episode um but in in suicide squad not the suicide squad i thought one of the best characters was boomerang which i would never expect yeah. out of jai courtney because i don't really like jai courtney he kind of like usually when i see him on a cast list i go uh-oh um yeah. but i was excited that, that james gunn hired him back i'm like oh awesome boomerang like he was actually good like he got that character he got the the comic he got this world like he's a good one to bring back and then i saw which tv is on I'm like oh he's gonna go <laughs> oh, yeah that yeah, was a real boomerang. bummer for me he was one of my favorite guys in the last one and i i think i like that i like that character in the comics as well just like yeah, captain uh-huh. boomerang it's very silly and yet like they actually gave him like a personality and made him like a cool person i was like oh this is this is awesome oh no Yep. Oh, you're on the wrong plane, buddy. But at least they gave him one really cool moment. Like, I liked his boomerang shot. Like, they did, like, showcase him well. Like, James Gunn went, oh, if I was going to use boomerang, he would have been cool. But I'm also just going to have him get hit by shrapnel and then get blown up by a helicopter. So, 
and then ripped apart by the blades as well. Yeah, Yeah. just to make sure everybody killed him to death. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and then we're gonna show his hand later, like as a severed arm. Like we want you to know, Boomerang is fucking dead. Yeah, (laughs) his burnt crispy hand. (laughs) I I think out of all the let's say uh, cannon fodder, TDK might be sort of my favorite (laughs) of the bunch. I mean, number one, the whole like sequence in the airplane where they're trying to ask him what TDK means. He's just like TDK, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and then they get to the ground. And now I'm forgetting what it stands for. The detachable kid, detachable kid. Yeah. And then they yeah. figure it out and it, he detaches his arms and it's it's slapping. <laughs> it's like, like he's, he's so building he... up to this really amazing thing. And then he just literally goes like this. like, ah, fuck it. Get off me! <laughs> I mean, you gotta remember, like, that's the thing I like about some of these superhero movies where you realize that, like, there is some sort of realism to it. Like, yeah, he can detach his arms. That doesn't mean he's super strong as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's just got detachable arms. What could you do with them? Probably the same that he could do. And then I mean, when you mentioned, the, like, when, the, when they're talking about his name in the, um, in, in the planes, I just love the way when Javelin goes, your name are letters, your name are letters? And then Boomerang just like, all names, all names are letters, dickhead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that might be up there in quotes for this movie. And then when what? he's getting killed, and it's they're just shooting his arms, and he's writhing on yeah. the ground, screaming. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, that that'd be yeah. what happens. <laughs> to be fair, during the what I'm going to bring up next, because I think where we're transitioning is one of my favorite things of the entire movie. But when they're going over all the characters on the beach who died, he is listed as MIA. Yeah. Hmm. No, he's listed as critical, I think. Oh, critical. That's right. Because it, um, it cuts to him a close-up of his face and he coughs a load of blood out. Yeah. I think he survived. Like, And I think James Gunn even said he survived, but he doesn't have any arms. <laughs> um, his arms are Swiss cheese. Yeah. <laughs> well, he'll just uh, find some others that he can attach. Yeah. But the... Moving out of the, the beach sequence, you know, everyone dies. Uh, you They show you, like, uh, Rick Flagg and Harley Quinn get blown up by a rock, but you don't see them die. You know they're going to be fine. But everyone else kind of either gets died or, you know, is taken out of the picture. And then we get our first one of what, what I want to bring up is, like, the, uh, like, they're almost like comic book cover uh, title cards. And you get them throughout the entire movie. The first one you get is, like, all right, so Team A is, uh, they're getting slaughtered. All right, Team B, you're good to go. And you have Bloodsport, Ratcatcher 2, Peacemaker, King Shark, uh, Polka Dot Man, all walking out of the the beach in that perfect, like, Dirty Dozen, like, you know, triangle. And you get that first title card of The Suicide Squad. And then it just yeah. launches into that song of These Are People Who Died. And you see them all exchanging money from the bets they were taking earlier for who's going to make it. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that sequence. Yeah. It might Where be Amanda one of my favorite intros to a movie ever. Like, it's so good. <laughs> it's great I, I just... where Amanda Waller's, like, just like walks in on them while they're making the bets like yeah yeah well, that's uh, all that work stuff there <laughs> again i just love that like the realism there because like that's what would happen you would have people make oh, these people lives without oh, if yeah. you're if you're like the the control like the ground control as it were for a, a team nicknamed the suicide squad you're taking bets on who dies and who yeah. dies first right because you don't give a shit about them they're not yeah. human you might even be point. taking bets they're... on how they die as well yeah yeah, I mean they're, they're chess pieces on a board to these people. Yeah, I mean cabin oh, yeah. in the woods, right? They're they're placing bets on on what. That's where I was going show. to with it too. Like I, I assume James Gunn is a fan of cabin in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then we start meeting the the main characters of the movie, which is the the Suicide Squad, not the uh, the B team. 
Um, and we get Bloodsport, and it's like, hey, kids, look, it's not Will Smith, but everything else is pretty much the same. Um, which I'm... Uh, Cards on the table, I'm fine with. I actually think Idris Elba having his own character was the right call, and I think having it be Bloodsport was also the right call, and I really enjoyed his take on it. Um, yeah. But we get him. I like how he had his like, a British accent as well. It's like, because for the longest time, I didn't realize that Idris Elba was British, because I first saw oh, him yeah. in The Wire. So I was like, when I first saw oh, him yeah. the British accent, I was like, what the fuck? That sounds so weird. But now, it, just, I, it works so well for Bloodsport, I think. It does. Now, I don't know these characters very well. But one thing I loved about him is in, in prison, like when his daughter shows up, he doesn't pretend to try to be a good person or nope. a good father. <laughs> and, and he's very clearly aware of who he is. And a lot of times movies like this, they'll try to show like that little glimmer of hope or heart. And he just squashes it like a bud. Like, he, yeah. he, I am a bad person. I'm not a good father. The best thing I can do as a father is to tell you to stay the fuck away from me. And, like, he's such a child. Like, when he's saying fuck you to his daughter, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love that bit the way it's like, I don't care. I don't only care that you got caught. I care that you got caught for saying something as stupid as a fucking TV yeah. watch. And then his daughter's yeah. like, it does, it other does things. other things too. <laughs> <laughs> See, that was like part of the the issue with the first Suicide Squad with them trying to play it safe. That's like Will Smith's character is supposed to be a lot like Bloodsport, but they gave him that like glimmer of hope and all that stuff. And I'm like, yeah, this this is better. Now, I I I think Joel, to your to your comment, I think you're really not supposed to know a lot of these characters, and that's why it's kind of funny. What was Bloodsport's power? I don't remember at this exact second. Guns. Um, he's yeah, just guns. really, really, he's really good with guns. Yeah, he's okay. he's a, almost the same as like Deadshot. Like they're they're just really good at shooting shit. Okay. I'm the difference is that story that he he shot Superman with the Kryptonite bullet is a true Bloodsport story. That is a okay. comic. Okay. Mm. Um, but otherwise, I don't really know much else about him. Like that's kind of what I liked about this thing. Is like I'm a pretty pretty big DC fan and. Most of these characters, I mean, the ones that exist anyways, because Ratcatcher 2 is not actually a DC character. They made her for the movie. Um, oh, really? Yeah. I thought that, that was real for some reason. Ratcatcher is, but Ratcatcher 2, I mean, unless I'm wrong, but when I was looking it up, because I don't remember Ratcatcher 2, and I thought she was a creation for the movie, and I'm like, that's fine. That makes sense. Um, but either way, uh, if I'm wrong on that, that even goes more to my point of like, they did a very good job of picking interesting characters that I don't know much about and put them in this movie and made them that much more interesting. Like polka dot man is a nothing character and yeah. then went and made something amazing with him. Here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was a superhero, a motherfucking super. Never mind. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> but then we get to meet who is clearly the star of this show. And, and I hate to say that when we're talking about Peacemaker, because Peacemaker is dead on from right out the gate. We're going to get to the uh, the PowerPoint presentation here in a moment. But we get to meet King Shark. And oh, my God. Every rewatch for this movie, King Shark has climbed my ranks of, like, favorite character. And it's just because of the subtle stuff he does throughout the movie. It's it's not like his, his lines are funny. Don't get me wrong. But his mannerisms just destroy me. Um, we said the bit where he's like hand is like yes no way that is your hand it's the it's like the really chuffed with himself look that he does after that's like yeah, yes I told you it was right right yep <laughs> yeah I made a good point didn't I <laughs> I just found out as well the guy who plays uh, Economos was the on set King Shark as well yeah so he was there yep. for the, like the performance of that and then they had Sylvester Sloan just coming in just, I guess just talk how Sylvester yep. Sloan talks. Yeah, they just had Sylvester him read some Sloan. lines, you know, just to see how it sounded. <laughs> yeah. 
but yeah, so we get to meet King Shark, we get to meet Ratcatcher 2, Polka Dot Man, and, uh, and then we get into this intro for the movie. And, like, it really is just very quick, like, all right, we're going to tell you what's going on, we're going to go fight Project Starfish, and then this is where Peacemaker, re- to me, really starts shining. Like, his little bit with uh, Idris Elba before this was okay, but having him suited up and uh, asking questions about Starfish is uh, another for- term for butthole. Do you think it has any meaning? <laughs> <laughs> think there's any connection? <laughs> it's just Amanda Waller just looking at him and just like, no. Okay. I mean, you can you can just see it on Amanda Waller's face in that entire sequence. She's just fed up with these fucking idiots. She's just like the whole thing of like, okay, the briefing is done. Can you just fuck off already? And, and the, but the, for me, that that's where that's part of the things that I've like. You know, this is like. Uh, the podcast will be focusing on Peacemaker, but I think that like he's this just shows that like he's just an like an earnest, honest man. He's just he's doing the job and he's taking everything deadly serious, including this. And Amanda Waller is like, just shut up and do do whatever you gotta do. And he's like, but I want to do the best I could do. And he's you taking know, he like... taking notes on a notepad. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> with his big fucking blue gloves on. Still, <laughs> he yeah. looks so uncomfortable <laughs> holding the pencil. It, it just seems like he wants to be. He wants to get an A plus from the teacher, and that's what I kind of like about it. Is that it doesn't matter what it is. He thinks he's doing the best, and he thinks he's also doing good for the world. And that's oh, yeah. where I, that's what's funny to me. I also think there isn't a doubt in his mind that he's like the team leader. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like we all know it's Bloodsport. The movie knows it's Bloodsport. Waller knows. Bloodsport knows. Everyone knows that it's Bloodsport, except for Peacemaker, who I'm dead sure is like, no, no, I'm leading this team. That's why I'm asking the important questions. Yeah. And at the end of it, he you know that he's also just like, and without me, this whole thing falls apart. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we get done with that scene and then we, now we're back in the movie. Like we're caught up to, they're in the beach and we have the, the scene from the trailers that like, I believe, uh, John from our other show, like he messaged me after you watched the trailers, like, Hey, so do you think John Cena is going to be good in suicide squad? Or do you think they're just gonna like cut him out of it? I couldn't tell in the trailer. Like he wasn't really used much cause he was the entire fucking trailer. And it started with that, like the back the beach full of dicks and it's like, <laughs> Oh God, fucking hell. <laughs> yep. He's just so funny. Why would men? Why would someone put penises all over beach? Who knows what madmen do? What? <laughs> who knows what madmen do? Why madmen do what they do? <laughs> but he's willing to. He's willing to make the sacrifice, and that's what's. Yeah. That's it's good. Yeah, yeah for peace. Yeah. <laughs> and and the whole the whole pissing contest between him and uh, Bloodsport is fantastic throughout the entire movie, especially the sequence where like they're taking shots at killing other people like they're keeping store store and trying to one-up oh, each other god that sequence yeah. is so funny yeah. and, and it's like I, non-lethal doesn't count and then it's just like <laughs> oh exploding compression bullet <laughs> blows up it's like and i forget what the actual line is but there's something like uh i forget it was blood sport saying something like you know it's 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 not about like one upping each other or something oh, like that. No one likes to show. Yeah. Off. No, no one, one likes to show, show off. And then uh, Peacemaker says, off is dope as fuck." And then he yeah. says, <laughs> "You said blood sweat." Go, fuck, fuck. It's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Chewie hates that sequence. It's part of the reason she doesn't really like this movie. She's like, "Cause these are the good guys, and they're just murdering a bunch of innocent people." Yeah, <laughs> yeah they don't know that at the time. No, yeah. in fact, they were just told murder everyone. Like, yeah. that was their directive. Murder them all. 
And again, I think part of it is with with that pissing contest is that Peacemaker doesn't he he thinks he's a good guy and and hanging out with all these bad guys. So he really like feels like he's he's you know he has to wa- he has to watch everybody because he's he's afraid that they're all going to be evil again. And he's just like, well, I got to watch everybody because these are all bad guys and I'm the one good guy here. Yeah, he's a babysitter. You can tell that as well. Yeah. The way that he's going, where he says like, I cherish peace with all, uh, cherish peace with all my heart. I don't care how many men, women, and children I have to kill to get it. And it's like he believes that that makes him a good guy because he's doing it for peace. But it doesn't matter because it's for peace. He can kill anyone that he wants for peace. And then, and you throw in like the fact that like Idris Elba is blatantly saying, "I don't care what happens to anybody here. I just want to go. I just want to leave and do whatever I want." And you know, then you so like like you said, he is the babysitter, but he's that babysitter that is taking it way too serious, and the kids are just walking all over. He's a substitute teacher. There you go. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. 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 But I, I also love the way that sequence is capped off. Like if this was a, a, a podcast where we weren't mostly talking about Peacemaker, I think I'd be talking the entire episode about King Shark and Polka Dot Man. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. But I'm trying to keep it to Peacemaker. But the way that sequence ends with Polka Dot Man throwing his polka dots and frying that watchtower and just Peacemaker's immediate reaction. He does throw polka dots at people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. He's just like both like impressed and curious. Like it's like, oh, I was right. I can't believe that's what it is. <laughs> it's like, sorry, it's so flamboyant. <laughs> Man, David Desmelchin, like, what a fucking career that guy's had. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what else I've seen him in. David Desmelchin, he was in Ant Man and Wasp and Ant Man. He's one of the the robber gangs there. He was in The Dark Knight. He was in The Dark Knight is where I'm thinking I remember him from. Yeah. Um. So we have the whole murder sequence. They get through all that. Now they're moving. Uh, moving on to the next objective because now they have Rick Flag in tow. Uh, how Rick Flag talks himself out of that, like we just murdered your whole town, is beyond me. And he does it mostly by going, "They're a bunch of idiots." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think my favorite bit in that whole sequence, though, is just where Soria's looking at Sebastian and just goes, is that rat waving at me? And Flag's like, I believe it is. Why? Probably because it's friendly. (laughs) (laughs) And I also like that Flag doesn't know these people. Like, Flag knows Bloodsport, and I'm guessing he probably knows Peacemaker just because that's, like, the world that he's in. But I don't think he knows Ratcatcher, too. He like he, he he hasn't worked with these people, but he's no. just, at least I don't think based on the context clues we get. Um, yeah, but he also just he immediately knows who they are. He's probably seen like dossiers and stuff like from previous missions or something. Yeah, I don't think sense. he's ever worked with them. Yeah, that that makes sense. I like that word, dossier. Do- dossier. It's a yeah. good one. Yeah. Um, dossier. I just want to touch on this really quick before we keep moving to more important stuff. But the the scene after this one where they're uh, they finally confront Polka Dot Man, like, what the hell is on you? Like, is this contagious? Am I going to be in trouble? And they go through the whole backstory. We get that wonderful shot of everyone looking like his mom, including Sebastian <laughs> yes. the Rat. If you zoom in, <laughs> which is amazing. Um, I've never noticed Sebastian the Rat actually. I need to go back. Oh to yeah, he, that, that wearing frame. a little cardigan and has little glasses on the end of their nose. Um, it's adorable. Um, but the best part to me of that whole sequence is fucking King Shark. Yeah. Polka Dot Man is going this very long explanation of his interdimensional like disease that he has. And then whenever they show King Shark, he's nodding along like he's paying attention. <laughs> it's just, like, it just kills me. 
the physicality of King Shark is just absolutely my favorite thing. So now we're moving on to where they're going to go to the uh, that nightclub to try to catch um, the thinker. P. Getting his name in this. Oh yes, um, that's uh, oh yeah. Oh shit! I uh, forgot. Is that it's Peter Capaldi? But I forgot Peter Capaldi. The, yeah, Capaldi. the character's name. Well, he's the thinker. We'll call Gaius him Gaius Greaves. Gaius Greaves. Thank you, Greaves. That's what they keep calling him. But we can call him Thinker. We can call him Peter Capaldi. Whatever. They're going to go catch him, and we get another amazing King Shark moment. If he wants to go with, <laughs> it's like wear a disguise, fake mustache. <laughs> <laughs> And just when he comes up behind Bloodsport with it just over his mouth, I still can tell who you are. And just this stomping away, fuck! <laughs> God, he's great in this movie. But then when they're going into town, we start getting, like, really comic book stuff. And I, I really, like, I love the Ratcatcher 2 backstory. Like, that's where we get Taika Waititi in the movie. Uh, and it's just, it's so... The way it's done, the way it's shot, and like the the effects of having it like in the panels of the window, like it just feels so comic booky. I love yeah. it. Like it's just so cool. It's and like then that sequence legitimate... you have like the shots of King Shark through the bus window, and it's like he looks so real. It's kind of freaky. Mm. I definitely like that we got Taika Waititi though. Yeah, it's good. And I'm like, I'm one of those people who's getting a little burnout on Taika, like because he's kind of everywhere right now. And I say that as somebody who's had a podcast dedicated to one of his shows. Um, but when he's good, man, he's he's great. It's tough to get entirely burnt out on him because he's usually great. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just like I like little cameos here and there, and I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Seen for like two seconds. Yeah, it's like you know, in this film, that's kind of it. It does a, it does a nice a good mixture between the sort of like serious drama and the balls the wall comedy. It it gets a really good balance, I think, because. Because of like scenes like that, yeah, mm. yeah, for sure. And we don't, and you know, we get we get enough backstory to care about the characters. We don't have we don't need a full movie or its, its own thing. We just need like the 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 cliff notes, and then it feels like it's enough to like grab onto those characters for the most part. Peacemaker is the one uh, one of the exceptions where we don't get like a backstory, but at the same time, like his his larger than life personalities enough to carry us through this film yeah i i just i just don't think it's that movie <laughs> and I, I think it's better for it i mean yeah uh, oh yeah you don't need to have much attachment to these characters you just need to be along for the ride yeah, yeah and by the time the movie came out we knew peacemaker had a show in the works i think the trailer had already come out so like i was okay knowing that he didn't have much character arc in this because i knew it was coming in the show later which i know doesn't it's not really a good excuse for the movie. I'm not a big fan of that idea in movies, but I think it kind of worked in this situation. I just think that his personality carried it enough that like, like, Oh, I care about him just because he's, he's bonkers. I think that's the thing of it. Like, you know, everything he sort of sets up who he is in that very first scene. Like, you know, that pissing contest with Bloodsport, where he's basically like saying, um, Oh, I shoot my, my target's more in the center. You know, that he very much sets up kind of like who he is quite well in that. And you don't necessarily need the full backstory of how he got there. And yeah. then, you know, like Peacemaker, the series is, is like a nice sort of like compliment to where you get more detail. And then you can kind of see like, oh, okay. Just kind of see why he is that way. But yeah, you don't sure. need it in the film. Absolutely not. Um, so after this, we have the them in the captivity where they have that really just amazingly badass moment of like the 
to kill a man with one hit. And then as they're talking, you realize all three of them know exactly what they're talking about. And then on one, one, bam. (laughs) And just one of my favorite shots in the entire movie is the security cam of what's going on back there. And they turn on the camera. You just have Peacemaker picking up a shotgun and pointing it right behind the driver. It's just like, yeah, this is just so insane. Like, (laughs) I mean, I I love the line as always like that. That's what they all say. Who? Amateurs. (laughs) (laughs) it's about the death the death touch thing it's so fucking good just just so well done yeah how peacemaker doesn't lose his arm while throwing a uh that car off the hill with his arm sticking through a bullet hole is beyond me but you know whatever (laughs) i I can get there he had a shot in the neck and having he got shot in the neck and had a building dropped on him and he survived that too so maybe i should uh you know suspend disbelief yeah yeah But then after that, we find out we get to go pick up Harley Quinn. And we haven't really talked about it, but nestled in Suicide Squad, we get our own little Harley Quinn movie. Um, She's been good. I'm kind of burnt out on Harley Quinn, but the things that I do like about Harley Quinn in the all of the movies that she's been in is that there has been a slow progressive arc. Yeah. Throughout all of them that have kind of pushed her in in a direction that I appreciate. I love Harley Quinn. I have Harley Quinn on a whole bunch of my stuff. Like she's everywhere. Um, and I, I really like Margot Robbie's take on it. So having this little Harley Quinn movie nestled in suicide squad, I actually thought was kind of the best way to deal with her being on suicide squad. Cause I'm, I've, I'm one of those rare people who like, I'm not a big fan of Harley being on that team. Like for me, she's never been the best member of suicide squad. I like suicide squad without Harley. Um, which but that's, that's, all said, the, that's all the comic Ben has turned into is that it's just a Harley Quinn team up. Exactly. And that that's not what I want. That's not what I read Suicide Squad for. Like I read Suicide Squad for these other characters. And it, like don't get me wrong, it's great. But without her, the book doesn't sell as much, so I get why she's there. Um but with all that in mind, I think that's why I, I love this movie as much as I do, because I think they also kind of got that. Because they give us a Suicide Squad movie and then a little Harley Quinn movie, then they kind of meet up with each other for the end. And I think that's possibly the best way to handle it. I also love as well that it it wasn't the typical sort of damsel in distress thing. She gets herself out and then yeah. they're about to go in to rescue her. And she's like, I can go back inside if you want. And then you just hear blood, <laughs> you just hear blood spot. I only caught it the last time I watched it, actually. As he yeah, comes off the road, he goes, that, that's not patronizing at all. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Joel, for, for just uh, for since you haven't uh, experienced it, in the first Suicide Squad movie, she is dating the Joker and he is kind of abusive. And then in the Harley Quinn movie, she has broken up with him and it's her trying to get over those negative feelings. And by this point she is fully moving on. Is there any story arc where they have a respectful relationship with each other? Like, Ooh, no. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Just, I was curious. Uh, they, you know, they know what they have with Harley Quinn as a character and they amp everything up to 11 with her. I mean, one, her, her interactions with all these characters including El Presidente were great, but then you get to like the things like the uh, fight sequence, right? And and it it turns from kill bill to this wild, like Disney flowery (laughs) sequence that's happening as she's murdering people. It's got like an animated bird at one point as well. Mm -hmm. It's just flying. Yes, it does. uh, That reacts to the murders. Like as she's murdering people, the bird's like, Oh God. And like tries to (laughs) shield its eyes. (laughs) Right. And and that's, that's where the whole, like her having her own movie thing is 
apt because everything else is just a bloody violent mess and just a bloody violent mess. And they really amp the style up to 11 whenever she's on screen. And uh, it's got to be said, the whole Lance ongoing, like, joke. Her mission yeah. from God. Is, is spectacular. <laughs> it's, it's such a great little wrinkle for her to have included. They have they have really, like, played with her crazy in a, in a way that's been interesting. Um, and then also, again, like, the idea that, she, like, it it, it has been, lo- like, she, since her character creation, it has been that she has been only the sidekick to Joker for, like, ever and it hasn't been until like the last what five years or so, maybe ten years, that she has really come out as being like, um, like I'm going to grow up, and and then and that's what you see in this movies. You see her saying like, oh, you know, like she's like kind of really into El Presidente, and then all of a sudden goes, oh, I'm starting to see red flags. Yeah, yeah, like killing so children. I, I like that. I like that version <laughs> yeah. of Harley though that has grown up. Like I yeah. love, I love the Harley Quinn animated series, which is oh my God. you know you so have good. her when she's grown up. And I think it, it, the problem with the Harley Quinn thing, like, you see, like, these couples, like, oh, we're just like Harley and the Joker. It's like, fucking hell, that's not a good relationship at all. No, be like Harley and Poison Ivy. That, yeah, that's your exactly. career goal. Like, there you yeah. go. <laughs> that That is a good relationship. That's a, a loving relationship. But this sequence in the middle of the movie is also where the point where my thought went to like, you know, I'm not sure this could have worked really did as like a six or eight episode miniseries instead of a movie as well, just because it felt very whiplashy the, the way they sort of bounce back and forth between them. And I, I could argue, and I, I think the title cards are kind of a tip off to this. I think this movie structured like, uh, like an arc in a comic book. Mm-hmm. So like, like usually most comic book stories can be somewhere between like four to like 10 issues. Sometimes they'll go 12. Sometimes they'll go way longer, but it's usually like a pretty self-contained story. Like even within like ongoing Batman that has, you know, thousands of issues at this point, there's still be like a 10 issue arc. And I feel like this, this movie tried to encapsulate that. Like this is just a tiny arc of the suicide squad. So whenever you get like a title card, it's like a new issue. Those title cards yeah. are awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they, they are, are yeah. really cool. Like and art it just, installations. It just feel- it feels like a um, a comic book cover, like like you're saying. It's yeah. feels like oh, this is the next issue, and like you know, and I get that. And it's I think it's the only comic book film I've ever sort of like seen that does that. That actually takes the comic book level to a hundred and be like, no, let's do this like a comic book. You know, yeah. you've got your title card, you've got your your issue covers and stuff like that. Yeah, and and it works. Like the the very last one, like we're getting ahead of myself a little bit because i'm trying to make sure we get stay on time um the last one of the suicide squad or starro versus the suicide squad I'm like yeah i could see that as a cover yeah absolutely yeah and it would look great um but before we get to that we should probably finish up with uh peacemaker because peacemaker does have some uh some moments here at the end um well right before the end and uh it's kind of a bummer he he definitely goes a uh, full bad guy uh and he doesn't think he's being the bad guy, but he definitely is. Where they found that the uh, the U.S. government was very, very heavily involved in Project Starfish. And Rick Flagg is like, my government's doing what? The people need to know. And Peacemaker's like, I had a second job here, and it's to make sure you don't do what you're about to do. And uh, the fight between fucking Rick Flagg and Peacemaker is so good. Like... It's brutal. The way it's, ref- the way it's reflected, that the first bit of the fight as well, where they reflect it in Peacemaker's helmet that's just on the yes, ground. Yes, that shot is and incredible. And the camera's spinning around. So fucking good. 
Like, I always look at it and go, how did they do that? Like, they must have just shot it as normal and then used, like, CGI to to put that into Impose the element. it on there. Yeah, there's that, that no makes way sense. that you could you could shoot it with a camera like the reflection. That that would be an absolute nightmare to choreograph. Oh yeah, and, and even like this, I'm sure it was still a nightmare to choreograph. Yeah, they're still planning for the shot later, but like the entire fight is just it's just brutal. And unfortunately, we all know where it's going. Like as soon as the fight starts, it's like I know who has a show after this, and I know who doesn't. <laughs> yeah, and it's like ah, oh, did did James Gunn just make me care about Rick Flag of all characters? <laughs> What, yeah, I, I, I don't even remember Rick him in the in comics that much. Well. He's barely in the comics. He's not a major character. Like this yeah, isn't so. I don't think there's anyone out there with a Rick Flag tattoo. Like no one cares about Rick Flag. <laughs> and then fucking James Gunn went and made me care about Rick Flag when he gets stabbed in the chest. Like I was legitimately upset. And then he just rocks Peacemaker at the end with that Peacemaker. What a what joke. joke. Yeah. Fuck. And like I, I remember like watching that the first time. I'm like, oh. I think we just got the pilot to Peacemaker right here. (laughs) Oh, your character development is starting right now. Um, (laughs) And it does like, cause now he, so he kills him and then he has to chase uh, Ratcatcher two through the building that's crumbling down. And he's like, he has a gun on her and she's like, fine, you win. Take the drive. You win. Why do you have to kill me? And you can see that look in Peacemaker's eyes of like, why do I, Mm -hmm. what am I doing? No, no, no. This is who I am. I'm thorough. And it's like, Oh, he he's starting to change. He's starting to question some of those core beliefs that he you know had, where it it ended up being the uh, there's no question what I would do for peace, and now he's starting to question like, well, I don't know if I want to do this for peace. Yeah, and like that the line I don't remember the exact word for it. I didn't write this one down because this is my notes have ended by this point. I'm sucked into the movie, um, <laughs> but that moment where he's like, uh, "Why are you doing this? Fuck!" Yeah, I, I'm watching that and like. Oh wow, John Cena can actually act. Like he's yeah, not just mm-hmm. a funny guy. Like he can legitimately act. And I think that's later confirmed when we watch Peacemaker the show, but at this point I really hadn't seen anything with him beyond being the funny guy or the wrestling guy. Like I didn't really yeah. know him elsewhere. Yeah, this is like his like the I'm becoming the rock or I'm becoming um um what's his name? It was Drax. Like he's like he needs to he's starting to Yeah, he's starting to get like those the the actual moments that he's been like wanting. It's like this is where I'm going to actually get some kudos here. I'm going to show off some chops, and then it, it actually did, and it was impressive. Yeah, it is. Yeah, he did a it's good always, job. It's always weird as well when you when you see like wrestlers, and you start thinking, "Oh my god, they can actually act," and then you realize, "Well, actually, yeah, of course they can. They've been fucking acting their entire wrestling <laughs> career anyway." I mean, as... but that doesn't, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean that they're doing it correctly, or like have, you know, have you? Hell yeah! Have you seen a stole, Stone Cold Steve Austin movie? I mean. Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. I've also seen the Hulk Hogan act. <laughs> that's what I mean. Is that like I don't know, I don't know, maybe. I mean, that's my point though. Like you know, of course, you're gonna get some of the wrestlers that can act. Most of them, like you know, nobody's gonna be queuing up to watch a I don't know, Hardy Boys film or something. I mean, I wouldn't watch that anyway. But yeah, no, that, that's not. But but what we're saying is John Cena can act, and throughout the majority of the movie, he's kind of a goofball. But at the very end, he really had to bring it, and he, he fucking met the occasion. Like, he did a great job. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's yeah. shot in the neck. And uh, so long, Peacemaker. We'll see you in the TV show. Yeah. Um, I love that sequence, though, where you actually see them shooting. And like the level of detail they actually went into making sure that it's kind of a believable thing that it would happen. So, like, Because Peacemaker's shooting like a hollow point. And um, Bloodsport's shooting like a full metal jacket armor piercing around, so it would, 
you know, if you were to somehow manage to shoot them both at each other, um, Bloodspot's bullet would just go through Peacemakers. And it's a wonderful callback to their conversation earlier yep. about how... Of, like, I'll, I'll shoot my bullets through, like, you know, through through your bullets or something. Use smaller yeah. bullets. Right. Does, doesn't them he, more doesn't he realize that as he gets shot? He's like, oh, man, that was cool. Or something like that. Well, he yeah. asks how, and he's and Bloodsport uh-huh. just hits him with the same line. Smaller bullets. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like, ooh. Because so he goes through his gun have... as well. It, like, it goes right down the barrel of his gun and through his gun into as, his neck. As soon as that slow motion starts, you know exactly where it's going. That's the best part yeah. about yeah. it. It's like, oh, no. You're... Bye, Peacemaker. <laughs> <laughs> for now yeah i mean that's the one problem with knowing he has a show after this is like well he'll be fine and then you see the whole building crash down it's like will he <laughs> <laughs> is it it could be a prequel show i don't know that's honestly that was the split second when i thought i was like oh this must be a prequel until he's like no <laughs> I, I doubt it he's not and, and you confirm it later because when they're trying to go back and fight that big behemoth monster and they're all running away and uh amanda waller is just like ready to flip the switch to kill them peacemaker's uh, profile is still lit up yep and i noticed it this time i was like oh he can still be killed mm-hmm. i do like that as well it's, it is one of those films where the more you watch it the like the more you pick up on stuff you didn't notice before like and it's great when you get a film like that where you, where re-watching it is actually you know it's not just you're not just re-watching the same thing over and over you're re-watching it and you're picking up stuff you missed the oh, first yeah. time yeah, this one, and it's unfortunately due to the the pandemic. This movie was clearly made for uh for like a theater experience because when I've watched this at work and like I put it on a theatrical screen, I'm like, you see so much more. Like it, it is clearly mm-hmm. seen meant to be seen as big as possible, which the pandemic kind of shut down. I didn't get to see it in theater until I had to bring it to work on my own. Um, which is a I, I imagine that's probably why I've never noticed the Sebastian Rat Mum thing. Yeah, that's yeah. the first time I noticed it was in a theater. Yeah. And then uh, later it was confirmed on Reddit when a lot of people zoomed in and saw it. It's it's pretty cute. Uh, <laughs> but let's but talk it, just a little bit about the end of this movie before well, we, we I, get I to did, our wrap up. I did want to say that uh, you in, in, in any comic book movie, Marvel, DC, otherwise, you know that a character is not dead until they they, they will. They they are very like in any of these movies. They're always like, well, you see body parts or you see them dead. If you don't see their body, they are not dead. Yeah, I learned that with. Uh, was it Game of Thrones, I think, was like the first one. I'm like, oh, that's very... Or might have been Sopranos. I don't remember. But some TV show, I'm like, oh, yeah, if you don't see the corpse, they're probably not dead. All right, but let's let's talk a, a little bit about the end of this thing because we are talking about the Suicide Squad. I know Peacemaker's gone and out of it, but we got to talk about Starro at least a little bit because Starro... Starro is a character that, you know, as a comic book fan, I'm like, well, I'll never get him in a movie because yeah. why would anyone put Starro in a movie? That would be ridiculous. Yep. And then here it is. <laughs> and then James Gunn was like, hold my beer. Yeah. Oh, uh, I should put Star Wars in a movie because it would be ridiculous. And, yeah. and he was right. And it's a very different version of Starro than I know. Like Starro that I know is uh, like the, the stars can be removed from your faces. You're not just permanently dead whenever they get attached onto you, which is, I, I like it both ways. I, I'm not like critiquing one or the other. I think they both work. Um, he also seems a little smarter in the, the books. Um from, but he's, from I my, think, a lot younger here, so that also kind of works. From my understanding, it kind of felt like um, it felt like this Starro had been in captivity for a long time. So I, obviously, it's a little like brain dead, a little bit like you know, not really all the, all, all the way with it. And at the like same Flashpoint time, Flashpoint Superman, but a Starro. Yeah, and also very, very <laughs> mad. 
and very yeah. angry. So I can imagine a world where it can control whether those stars can kill people, but it's not, it does. It definitely does not want to do that at this point. That's an interesting point. I didn't really think about that. That could totally work. Yeah. I'm not um, saying it doesn't even bother to put one on thinker. It literally like tears his arm, uh, his arm and his leg off and then like splats him against the glass. Well, I want like, to comment on that. There was a reason for that. That, <laughs> The Tinkerer had been sexually assaulting Starro for what felt like decades. Yeah, yeah. They, they make that pretty clear. He he was uh, about as bad as they come. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just love the way yeah. he just like when when the um, when there's like the Starro victim thing says that, and he just cuts to uh, Thinker, and he just sort of like shrugs his shoulders and like gives a little smile, like ugh. Capaldi plays a hell of a bad guy. Like he does, he, he does. really does, like a real creep. Yeah. I, that's partially why he's one of my favorite doctors because he plays a really good bad guy. Um, but him getting splattered on the wall was just like, it, it almost felt like therapy. <laughs> like yeah. He was just, he's such a horrible dude. And just seeing him just like plop like a balloon. I'm like, ah, bad guys can lose. See you later. Fuck face. <laughs> I also just love that he had to go through the agony of having his limbs ripped off first. It's like, yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Fuck yeah. you. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you got to make it as painful as possible. You deserve oh, of it. course. And it was, um, it was kind of like, you know, it was using the sort of like the abusive relationship kind of things. Like, yeah, I was, I'm sorry. I, I you know, I, I went too far. I won't do it again. Like, you know, trying to talk his way out of it. As, um, and I think that's why Starro, at the very end, does actually, yeah, fuck it, I'm going to rip your arms off. I'm not just going to kill you. I'm going to make you suffer even more. Yeah. Because he's still trying to, talk Starro into basically letting him continually abuse it. What a dick. Gaslighting yeah. Starro. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but then the, the, the fight with Starro I think is amazing. It, it's very reminiscent of like the, uh, the New York City battle to me from like the first Avengers. Like this is a, just an excellent showcase of a team up of superheroes or villains in this case, um, like taking on like one central target with some drones involved too. Like, I, I think this was, uh, this is like comic book making one oh one. Like this is exactly mm. what you want to see out of this sort of movie. But it also means like for our purposes on this show, there's not really much to talk about. Cause like, we're not here to talk about that sort of movie, but I can say the ending, I think nails it. It doesn't, it doesn't have that like Wonder Woman whiplash of like, wait, why are we watching a different movie all of a sudden <laughs> in the third act? Like, it still feels like it's it works the whole way through. Also, yeah. A plus CGI, which is which is not yeah. always an expectation. No, no, you never have that moment of disbelief in this one. Like they they made meticulous care on their CGI, which I think is great. I do love I do love um, the the line that Ratcatcher has where you have the little flashback to when uh, Ratcatcher 2 was like really young and she's like, why rats, Papa? And he just says like, rats are the lowliest and most despised of all creatures, my love. But if they have purpose, so do we all. And I just love that. Like, it's it, so it's, good. It's so nice. And then, and then you, like you cut back to Ratcatcher 2 and the, like the look, just the look on her face of like this sort of thing of like, yeah, see, see Papa, I, I'm, I'm proving that rats do have a purpose. And it's it's really well done. Is that? It, it, yeah, just incredibly well done. And the only complaint I have to that whole thing is I don't get why the Starro people fall down the second a rat jumps on them. It, it looks a little yeah. weird. I don't get why it's happening. Uh, I noticed that too. <laughs> it's like my only complaint in the entire sequence is like, wait, why are you falling down? What knocked you over? 
Yeah. <laughs> They're very, uh, very, very strong rats in Corto Maltese. I mean, I've had a lot of pet rats. Rats are stronger than you'd expect. They're not that strong. Um, but have you ever have you ever had a Corto Maltesian rat? No, I guess I have not. That, that's a exactly. that's a very fair point. I'll, I'll keep that in mind when the next time I go for rats. I need a Corto Maltesian rat, please. And they'll say, "Good luck." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now they'll just turn it. You go a what? <laughs> a who? Um, I think we've done it. I think we've covered as much as we can of this movie while still trying to stay as faithful to our Peacemaker show as possible. Uh, let's move into some favorite moments and or quotes. Uh, Matt, I know you had a shitload, and I think you're the only one who's seen it as many times as I have, so I'm going to let you go first. It's not a toilet seat. It's a beacon for freedom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Especially when you go to, like, one of the first title cards we got was a toilet seat that looked exactly like the Peacemaker helmet. <laughs> <laughs> it's just how annoyed he is though that, I think that's great because <laughs> that, that's the one thing that has actually pushed him to be pissed off because like, throughout the whole film he's not really been you know nothing's really annoyed him or anything like that he's, just, he's always throwing it back as a oh well you know whatever but that actually pisses him off <laughs> well I think in that sequence he's just pissed off because they're going off mission to go save Harley and then he gets the ding about the helmet as two and he's like ah <laughs> Stop making fun That's of me, guys. <laughs> um, I think I'm just going to go for a sequence instead of a, a quote. I have so many quotes. My my go-to quote, I guess I'll, I'll say it because I'm already just kind of talking about it, is the, did anyone check on if, evil, if Weasel could swim? This <laughs> 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 is such a good intro. Um, but if I had to pick something just as my favorite throughout the whole thing, it's got to be the Harley Quinn movie. I mentioned earlier that I love Harley Quinn so much. Um and it doesn't really hold any of my favorite characters from the movie. It doesn't hold any of that, but just the amount of character development they show that happened off screen, but it still feels like it's happening in this movie is so unbelievably well done. And it just, as a Harley Quinn fan, it just warmed my heart. And I just, I loved the whole thing. Like all of it is just so good. The torture sequence, her shooting the president, her entire speech about when you, when you have taste in men as bad as I do, you gotta kill them. <laughs> like, it's just, <laughs> It's just so good. And I, I think Margot Robbie just crushed it in this movie. And she's crushed it from the beginning as Harley Quinn. But like this was like the ultimate performance for her. So uh, I'll give it up for that. Uh, Joel, what about you? Uh, this is hard to describe here or to pitch. Um, I, I think my true ones probably uh, we already talked through the. Uh, the fuck that's true line, but <laughs> but I I do love Harley Twins uh, moment where it's like oh what's with the javelin I'm waiting for God to tell me Jesus Christ <laughs> yeah or him or any of them really <laughs> <laughs> I, she she ha- and the thing is like she sells it so serious <laughs> so it, it it is this weird dissonance that I find really funny uh, I'm gonna cheat and do another one <laughs> which is at at the end fight um. Peacemaker looks at uh, the shark and he just looks at him and says, Monster nom noms. <laughs> then he just, he, it's a funny thing because it reminds me of uh, the Avengers where uh, Captain America says, Hulk, smash. Like, like it, it, it's yeah. very akin to that, but it, oh, it's, it killed me. It was very funny. Yeah. Monster in- is nom nom. Nom nom. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the nom nom. Yeah. <laughs> God, Bloodsport's, like, coaching there at the end is just so good. Monster is dumb gnome. Polka Dot Man, it's your mom! <laughs> yes! <laughs> yes! You see what it is? It's your mom! <laughs> <laughs> and then Polka Dot Man, I'm a superhero! 
Like I'm a motherfucking super. And just a look on, <laughs> look on Bloodsport's face, like, oh fuck. <laughs> I was like that star was like, oh that guy can't stick around. He can do damage. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Alex, new co-host. You get to go last. What's up? I um I I yeah I, I definitely like the unless you're what you're showing off is dope as fuck. But the other part I do want to say is that um in the we didn't really talk about the nightclub dance scene. Uh, oh no. Where, where you get polka dot man dancing with his mom. Oh yeah. Oh god. Like everybody in the club is his mom, and it kind of and he's just really like having a great time, which kind of gives like a little bit of like a you know Oedipus an Oedipus complex there, of course. Which is what I found a little bit more fascinating was like, oh, maybe it's like there's more. I mean, obviously he's got you know some psychological issues where everything is like his mother, but it also no. then, you, <laughs> then you throw Such in a well balanced like, human being. But then you yeah, but then you throw in the fact that like he also still has to like date. And like be romantic, and in that case, there has to be something there that's like, yeah. Sometimes your mom's a love interest too. Oof! Mm, yeah. I didn't think about that. I think I think I'd just be I'd just be celibate. I think. Well, yeah, you that, know, that, but that, that, that's what I thought about in that nightclub scene. I was like, oh, there's some other stuff going on here. And that, you know what? <laughs> I I I appreciate when 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 in these like little small moments, you still throw in a like a hidden message or something like that. And it's like, oh, that's kind of fascinating. Also, since you're you're bringing up that sequence, just a big shout out to the actress who played his mom. Like she did so good. She had to do all those different parts, all those different costumes, yeah. all those different dances. Like had to be a giant Godzilla monster. <laughs> yeah, and she did great. Like she was she was perfect. Yeah. Um, the the secret I will say um, one thing we didn't really talk about is the sequence where it starts raining when they're just about to attack Jotunheim. Ooh. That looks incredible. Mm-hmm. Like it the does. way that it's shot and they're walking out of the rain, out of the thick rain like it's fog as well. Yeah. Yeah, I love that sequence. Like it's just so violent. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Visceral. Like where, where Flag like kills like two people with one shotgun shot and it like, just rips through both of them. I fucking love that. This, uh, I, another thing I want to mention, because I, I, you know, anyone who's listened to any of our podcasts long enough knows that I, I really dig like film scores and a lot of what the music I listen to is film scores. The score for this film is brilliant. Like oh, yeah. it, it, it does, it gets the tone of the sequence that it's in really perfectly. Like you know, when you've got the more sort of like maudlin and dramatic things, the score really sort of digs deep in that. And then in the others stuff the other like sort of like the more light-hearted or like you know yeah it's an action film kind of thing it's got some incredible sequences like there's uh i think it's the first track on the soundtrack it's like it's called like uh meet the suicide squad or something it is absolutely brilliant and it's it's basically like the opening like the main sort of like that sort of like action beat i think when they get to the beach i believe Oh yeah, yeah. The the music in this is incredible, and like the music, the effects, the costumes, like this is just an all around, I think, just very solid movie. And I'm glad we did it to, for our Peacemaker show. But we should probably start wrapping up. Let's move into plugs uh, for this show and every show on the ATH Network. Before to ch- be sure to check out ATHPod.com. I have to say not the other show anymore because Damage Boost is back, bam, bam, bam. Uh, Woo! and we are very excited to have Brock back and recording. And uh, he's got a whole bunch of episodes locked and ready to go. And uh, very very happy to have him back. So be sure to check out Damage Boost. And then if you want to hear me as a bullywug, be sure to check out uh, Demon Days, an actual play podcast where I do the intros. Uh, I have nothing to do with the rest of the show, but I do the intros and I spend a lot of time on them. So at least enjoy those. Uh, Let's let Alex do some plugs. Alex, what you plugging? 
Uh, well, me and Joel uh, have a podcast called Super GG Radio, where we talk about uh, beta testing video games. Um, also, you can find us on Twitter at Super GG Radio or me on Twitter. Uh, it is Arona Alex, O zero R O N A L E X. Awesome. Uh, Joel, do you want to tell us about your Dune podcast? Uh, sure. So my wife and I do a podcast called Afterthoughts, where we talk about good books. Uh, oh, shit. So- Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking I just hell. finished Dune. It's pretty good. We- Dune's pretty good. <laughs> We are actually close to doing a recording about Kinetic Yankee and King Arthur Court. It is a very good... That doesn't sound like June. It's it's a very good uh, audiobook. It's It's been really fun uh, listening to that and uh, fishing in Near Replicant. So that, that's been my uh, my jam lately. I, I've that's... been listening to uh, The Martian on audiobook, and that's really good. It's Will Wheaton who does the uh, the narration as well. So oh, that's it's not cool. Just, yeah, it's really good. And, and, he, and he, just, he acts the hell out of uh, some of it to be fair like matt what are you plugging the martian audiobook it's really good <laughs> <laughs> that's who he's plugging <laughs> do you have anything else you need to plug matt do you want to talk about your airsofting article is that coming out anytime soon uh it's i'm gonna be uploading it soon uh, i'm just looking for like photos and stuff to to put in the article and then i'm gonna be uploading it to the site and then it can be proofread um and then you can change you can get all rid of all the use from my uh from my word uh, well, emily doesn't really work with us anymore so we don't have her <laughs> policing all the improper use you dang british people and your the correct misuse use of you i mean the correct you're use. Right. <laughs> color is spelled without a u color is spelled with a u so it's favor flavor all of them flavor yeah flavor I, spelled with a u i think so oh that one's new to me yeah. um maybe, maybe, then again, maybe i'm american i, just... I spell everything wrong um yeah yeah flavor flavors with a u oh damn wow this, this culture shock is uh it's amazing i think we should just leave on the culture shock so thank you everyone so much for listening uh be sure to tune in next week when we start peacemaker uh yeah peacemaker number one i'm so excited it's a yeah. great show a new a whole new world no <laughs> No, that, that, that is not, the name of the episode. That's, that's the name of the episode. It's literally called A Whole New World. As in, world. All right, bye. <laughs> <laughs>